My friends, it's wonderful to see you here this morning as we begin our march to, to Bethlehem on this first Sunday of Advent. I want to give a big shout out of thanks to those who have helped to make this distance worship for all of us a possibility over these last several weeks, well, really months. First of all, I want to thank Chris and his section leaders, McKenna and Evan, for the music they bring to us today. I want to thank Lisa and Julie Barodi for the Jesse Moment tree, the, for the Jesse Moment and the Jesse tree, our, our Advent moments that we will be doing each week following this Sunday. I want to thank Tamara for setting up our are set so that you, I didn't get cut off, and Scott for his, his continuing technical support. And you know, friends, we couldn't do this without all of these folk. It does take a village in order to bring this to you. So we all say thank you. There are several announcements which we need to bring to you this week. First of all, I know that you received the uh, our, prayer, our prayers for the congregation. And so please look at that list. Remember those people and lift them in your hearts and in your prayers. We will be having pickup breakfast each Sunday of Advent. So come a little early if you're able on Sunday mornings and enjoy a really good warm breakfast. Our thanks go out to Vicki Bell and Julie, Julie Barodi for the, their work as elders and deacons of this last month. And next Sunday is Thornwell Sunday. It will be a little different, like it's always everything's a little different. But we ask that you please bring an unwrapped gift or a gift card for a young person between the ages of 12 and 18. There will be a congregational meeting on Sunday, December 13th. That meeting is to elect the officers who will take, their, take over leadership in January. And of course, always, we give you thanks for your offerings, your pledges, your gifts, and your tithes. And then, if you're still thinking about a pledge, you can bring that in anytime, and I'm convinced it will be received. You know, this is the beginning of a new year. The church celebrates a new year each Advent, and so I say to you, Happy New Year. And also, as we worship, the Lord be with you. You can see behind me this beautiful Advent wreath. And we light the first candle today. The first candle on the Advent wreath reminds us to think of hope, something that we need very much right now. We hope for many things. We hope to finish what we start. We hope for a short sermon, and I can guarantee that's happening. We hope for long lives for people we love. We hope that God will save us from hard times and painful lessons. Hope is the shape of our work and our words while we wait for a future 
that only God knows. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, your mercy and constancy are the headwaters of our hope. Future, our desires for your promised future flow out of, our, of your past and present faithfulness. We thank you, O God. Our hope is in you. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. We welcome Lisa to, to share with us this message about the Jesse tree. Good morning, everyone. This morning is our first Sunday of Advent, and this year we are looking at the Jesse tree. So, um, if you're here for a soccer field, you'll get a little booklet like this for a devotion. If you're not, and you would like to have one, just call the office and we will make sure that you get one. So, the Jesse tree um, is talked about in Isaiah, first of all, and... It's talking about that Jesse was um, the new branch that came out of the stump. So through this whole thing, we're talking about the lineage of Jesus and, and how it went from Old Testament all the way to the New Testament when Christ was born. So that is the stump of Jesse. The second one is God created the world and man and woman in his image. And then we have when Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent when they um, decided to disobey God. And then the next day we are talking about um, God saving Noah and his family. And we always remember the rainbow as a symbol of the covenant that he made that he would never flood the earth again. So he saved Noah, his family, and the animals. And then we have um, when Abraham and Sarah, Sarah, left their land and trusted God and went into Canaan. So these are their walking shoes. And then the last one for this week, we have the birth of Isaac. And, and that God told um, Abraham that he would bless him with as many children as there were stars in the sky. So all the stars, and when we look up and we can know that we are a part of all those stars and that we are part of God's plan. So that's what we have for this week. I would like to thank um, Mr. George Rood for um, furnishing us this cute little tree to put these on this year and for Julie Baruti who has um, wood burned all the images onto the things. So we'll add six more next week. We'll do this every week um, for Advent. So that's all I have for today. Thank you. Our first special music comes to us from McKenna as she sings the Advent hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Oh 
Join me in prayer, please. Holy God, we come to you today with grateful hearts. Our Thanksgiving, which we just had, may not have been normal, but there is so much for which we remain thankful. Our lives have been blessed by love the love of families, the love of spouses, significant others, the love of friends. And we know that even when we are distant from those we love, their love supports and encourages us. We are thankful for this love. We live in a time and a place where we are blessed with freedoms and privileges. God help us to always use these freedoms wisely. We thank you for this gift. As we begin this season of Advent, we are grateful for our most amazing gift the most amazing and wonderful gift of our lives, your gift of love in Jesus, which strengthens us to love, your gift of love, which allows us to openly come before you with our needs and the needs of others. We pray for those for whom Thanksgiving was a lonely time, We pray for those who serve this country in a far distant place, who miss their loved ones in this season of great joy. We pray for those who are ill or hospitalized and so isolated from those they love. We pray for those 
who search for love. We pray for our leaders, our president and our president-elect, that they might be guided by your wisdom. We pray for your presence to bring hope and peace and joy and love into your world. We pray in the name of Jesus, who showed us the strength of love and taught us that we may always come to you praying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. We have two scripture lessons this morning. The first is from the New Testament, from Luke chapter 23, verses 1 through 5. As we prepare for Bethlehem and the birth, this morning's New Testament lesson takes us to the end of Jesus' ministry when he brought before him, when he was brought before Pilate on trumped up charges. Listen for the word of the Lord. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirred up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and, and has come all the way here, the word of the Lord for the people of God. Our second lesson comes from the book of Daniel, the sixth chapter. It's a hero story, and Daniel has risen to great heights in the government. But he's a foreigner, and some of those who work with him are jealous of his rise, so they plot against him. Listen for the word of the Lord. Chapter 6, beginning with verse 6. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, perfect satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. 
Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Parisians, which cannot be re repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened on Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God as he had done before. Then this, these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Parisians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He, he was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. The men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and the Parisians, we de no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's station might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. Then he came near the den. He called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue, rescue you from the lion's den? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O, God, o king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. 
And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and folk of the every language throughout the land, may you prosper, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and, re and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of King Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Quite a story, right? It's the first Sunday of Advent, and instead of preparing for Bethlehem and the birth, we read of a plot to entrap Jesus, and then strangely enough, a similar plot to entrap Daniel. It's the first Sunday of Advent, a time to wait and to watch and to set our lives right, that we might be ready, heart and soul, for the coming of God's incarnation. But just as the scripture lessons take us to entrapment, so too we often find ourselves entrapped by the trappings of this joyous Christmas season and all that it entails. The greenery is in and trees are going up all over town. The lights are beginning to blaze. There's a twinkle in each eye as well as a hint of the building stress as we attempt to do everything and have everything ready. Cookies and cards and shopping lists complete, packages wrapped, mailed or under the tree, parties planned, and weariness creeps into our lives. Oh my, I'm afraid if we keep up this pace, we will all be too exhausted to breathe in the comfort and hope of God come to live among us. So on this first Sunday of Advent, I invite everyone to set the decorating aside and to take a step back, to take a deep breath, and instead of running headlong into the Christmas season, to listen to what an Old Testament folk story tells us of preparation. The people of, of Israel, the Hebrew people, have been taken into exile. The prophet Jeremiah has told them to settle in, to make a life for themselves in Babylon. Daniel and his friends do just that. 
Daniel is quite talented, skilled. He has interpretive skills, and those skills bring him before the king, for he needs a writing interpreted. And the local sages and dream interpreters are unable. He stands before the king and with great courage tells him, you didn't glorify the true God who holds your very breath in his hand. So God has numbered the days of your rule. And amazing, amazingly, King Bashar does not take offense. He listens and with great self-reliance elevates Daniel to the third in command. But the king still dies, bringing an end to his rule. A new king is appointed, one who has not seemed to learn from his ancestors of the strength and power of the God of Israel. Like most new rulers, Darius starts immediately to make changes in the government. But he keeps Daniel in his new administration. In fact, he plans to set Daniel over the entire kingdom. And as you can imagine, this does not sit well with the others in leadership. They do not plan to acquiesce to a foreigner that's simply too unthinkable, just as the chief priests and the council could not, would not acquiesce to one they thought of as a country bumpkin from Nazareth. Jealousy takes over and Daniel's co-workers begin to devise a plan to get rid of him, as is also true of the chief priests and the council when faced with Jesus' threat to their authority. Now Daniel, who lives in the 6th, 6th century BCE, seems to be inspired by the Protestant work ethic. Work hard, do your best, move ahead, keep your nose to the grindstone, earn others' respect and trust. Daniel's work ethic makes it impossible for his enemies to find any evidence of corruption or negligence. Sound familiar? Sounds to me like the efforts of the chief priests and the council because they could not find any fault with Daniel's work, they decided to use his faith against him to entrap him in a conflict between the law of the land and the law of God. And the entrapment works, of course, because Daniel continues to pray to God, to the God of his ancestors, even though that simple act puts his life at great risk. Daniel 
embodies faithfulness. Just a quick sidestep here. When Daniel seems, when Daniel's enemies seek to entrap him, they know that King Darius has a soft spot when it comes to this man of integrity, when it comes to Daniel. They also know that the law of the land is that if a king makes a declaration, it cannot be changed. So when they can't convince King Darius to make his declaration that for 30 days, any, that for 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, O God, King, will be thrown into the lion's pit. They, they know that even the king cannot change that decree, even if he wishes to do so, which is exactly what he wishes to do. But now we know that wrong or unjust human laws can always be changed, have been changed, when it's been determined that they're simply wrong or unjust, like holding people as property or withholding the right to vote from women. Daniel knew the only law that is immutable is God's law of love. And Daniel was faithful to that love, to that law. So on this first Sunday in Advent, when we are all so easily fall victim to the noise of the season, let us take a moment and ask ourselves, have we ever misused our power as Daniel's enemies did? Have we ever taken advantage of a situation to elevate ourselves over another? as Daniel's enemies did? Have we ever remained passive in the face of an injustice as King Darius did? Have we ever remained silent when a good word might have changed an outcome as King Darius did? Have we ever refused to stop a rumor we know to be a lie? Daniel's lessons of old have contemporary significance. In Advent 2020, when there is great turmoil in our world because of a deadly virus, racial unrest, creeping unemployment, and the many other unknowns we face daily, Daniel's fierce devotion to the God of his ancestors, even in, in face of a great threat to his life, reminds us to stay focused on the one true power in our lives. The God who enters our world in the humbleness of a manger, that we might know the power of love. Daniel shows us a way to live out our faith, even in uncertain times. 
So when the glitters and the sparkles of the season threaten to distract us, let us follow Daniel's example and keep our eyes fixed on God. When the world tells us to buy one more thing, to party hardy, Daniel encourages us to be faithful to the God who is faithful to us. Sharon Bazard wrote of this story. While much of the world is rushing headlong into the season of shopping, decorating, and celebrating, this story challenges us to wait on the Lord and trust that God will see us through no matter what. Daniel, even though he comes to us from a Hebrew folktale, invites us to celebrate Advent by putting God at the center of every action and every choice we make. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our second piece of, of music is a favorite Advent hymn, Once in Royal, in David's Royal City, and Evan will sing it for us. Once in royal David's city Stood a lowly cattle shed Where a mother laid her baby In a manger for his bed Mary was that mother mild Jesus Christ, her little child, and our eyes at last shall see him through his own redeeming love. For that child so dear and gentle is our Lord in heaven above. And he leads his children on To the place where he is gone. I leave you with this charge from King Darius. All people must fear and revere Daniel's God because he is the living God. He stands firm forever. His kingship is indestructible. His kingship is indestructible. God's rule will last until the end of time. He is rescuer and savior. God performs signs and miracles in heaven and on earth. And now may this awesome God bless you, strengthen you, and empower you this and every day. Amen.